Like it's just crazy to me that somebody right now is choosing to have the two of us in their earbuds and they get to listen to our voices all sultry right there. And like, it's just crazy. Like people spend time. Like I, I go back to the first podcast we ever produced and it was on the business of board games. And this is how I got started with the whole thing. You are listening to season three of the One-Eyed Man podcast. And one of the things I've learned about podcasting and my experience of putting this show together and then having these conversations, which thankfully you decide to listen to, is that it is an emergent medium. It is a medium that allows for a degree of experimentation and not all of what I plan to do up front has happened and a lot of what has happened has been exciting and has forced me to think about this show and what it sets out to achieve and the people that are listening to it in very different ways. The person I'm speaking to on today's episode is an expert in this field. His name is Jeff Large. He is a podcast agency, I guess would be the best way to put it. He runs a podcast agency that helps corporate clients, marketers, individuals to define their podcasting ambitions, to put shows together, to find guests, and then to produce them in a way and distribute them in a way that really does help them achieve those goals. Jeff and I spoke a while back when I was still thinking about putting this show together and gave me some invaluable advice. And it was a real pleasure having him on the show today. None of the One-Eyed Man podcast would be possible without the assistance of a team based in Randburg in Johannesburg called the Solid Gold Podcast Team. They do a very similar job to what Jeff does. So in this show, we talk a lot about the commonalities, I guess, the principles that they share, the strategies that they've developed for clients. And maybe you're listening to the show today or have listened to episodes before and thought this is something that you'd want to do, something that you'd want to do for your business. If that's the case, this show is going to be invaluable for you. Really encourage you to share it if it's useful. Comment, feel free to mail through any questions that you might have. I know Jeff and the Solid Gold team would be happy to help you. Please do enjoy the show. So Jeff Large, how many people have asked you to make them Joe Rogan in the last month? <laughs> Actually, none, fortunately. <laughs> Which is Damn, very, you're doing your nice. targeting wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm doing my targeting right. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> So big, big news in the podcasting world, right? It's the oddest medium because it's been around forever, but seems to have experienced this dramatic upsurge in interest and investment in the last while. What is it that you're seeing from your side as a, as I mentioned to Callum before the show, a purveyor of the podcast? So why did you get into this space and how have you seen it evolve just in, in recent times? Context for me, I'll try to keep it high level and then you can drill down into what makes sense. Love that. My formal background is all education. Just shy mm -hmm. my master's in English. And I'm a pretty big proponent of like just looking backwards and seeing how all of it plays together. And so there's that story-driven element that's always been kind of part of my life, I think, with the English background. The other thing is that I've been a musician for 25 years or something. So I have mm -hmm. a, a decent background in audio. And then through high school and college, I did a fair amount of video editing. And so I was sort of predisposed to some of these things. It yeah. was around 2012, my wife, my cousin, and I, we started a board game publishing company, and mm -hmm. we knew we wanted to go to Kickstarter and get our first game crowdfunded. So we decided that we were thinking like, okay, how could we give back? And, and I already had all this equipment from being a, a musician, like I said, like yeah. mics and mixer boards and all this stuff. And we we're like, okay, let's try to do a podcast. Did that and kind of long story short, the game we attempted to make didn't end up funding. 
but we ended up like double funding our podcast because people so so many people liked it. Like after the game, oh, wow. after we decided to cut the game, we're like, maybe people still want us to podcast. And then sure enough, they did. And so that was the first encounter that I had of like, oh, wow, this is kind of a business option. Like you can use mm-hmm. this for business development. You can use this for marketing. And yeah. it was around the, there's a kind of an overlap between end up selling out our board game company. My wife and I let our cousin buy us out because I started my own agency at the time and we started off as web dev and graphic design. And so there's this transition period there. At some point we offered podcasting as a solution to one of our clients when we were kind of just testing the waters with things. Mm -hmm. And that went very well. And so then basically from there, I'd say about five-ish years ago, we just got all our other services and offered podcasting exclusively and Super niche, have just yeah. continued to refine it since then um, in terms of what exactly we provide, who we serve, how we're doing it, those kinds of things. And do you imagine that at the time, was this the conversation you were having with yourself? It's like, we're really early to this. We are in inverted commas, early adopters of podcasting as a commercial channel. Did you feel like it was really established and there were lots of competitors in the market or was it this sort of fringe opportunity that you believed you could be a pioneer in? I think it was probably more the latter. There's like, I mean, for context, especially if the listener isn't 100% sure of the space, I mean, it's basically been around like 2004, 2005 is when it sort of emerged onto the scene. From a contextual standpoint, it's grown very slowly. It's grown Hmm. basically since that time frame, year over year, roughly, again, math on the flyer, statistics on the fly is kind of dangerous, but I think it was like 1.5% to 3% every year. The only time we ever saw like a dip was 2012 to 2013, but otherwise it's continued to grow. Mm-hmm. And so around the time that I came in, there were players in the space, but I think I understood that we were able to offer something different. And I mean, like every business says that, of course, but I knew we had some differentiators from our own strengths that set us apart from some of the competition. And I've always kind of taken a mindset to not worry about the competition anyways. Like I just felt that there was enough business to go around. And so I didn't think I was some trailblazer or doing anything like remarkably new, but it seemed like there was some pretty significant opportunity in order to kind of go after this part of the market. And when you talk about that growth, that sort of quite incremental or modest growth over the years, is that growth in the number of channels that have been established or are available for listeners or listenership? More listenership. And okay. so, I mean, definitely means of listening and I think the uses of the medium as a whole, like the uses mm. of a podcast have definitely grown. I don't have any statistics around that outside of like just naming more companies than I could in the past. Sure. Um, but what I was referencing was specifically user base, and then also specifically in the United States. But that has changed significantly over the last year or so, and in no small part thanks to this very strange period of time that we've all been a part of, and I guess the fact that people have been thinking differently about how they consume or, as it were, create content, so much so to the point that it's almost been a bit of a meme is around the number of new middle-aged crisis costs that have started up out of nowhere. Are you even a white middle-aged man if you haven't started a podcast? <laughs> and I mean, that obviously has its pros and cons because there's been this sort of exponential explosion. I mean, we've certainly seen that here in South Africa where it might have been even slower in terms of growth and adoption than you would have seen in the States. But 
How has that affected your business and how has that affected your clients' attitudes towards the channel? What's interesting in that space? Well, I think a couple things. One, I actually want to challenge the notion slightly. I think the speed and pace of how this is ramped up actually was happening before we saw any of the okay. stuff with the pandemic and COVID. Okay. I could go into some of the reasons if that would be useful. But then if anything, I haven't studied the actual stats as much of kind of in COVID and, and for some of us post COVID, I mean, everybody's kind of in a different spot um, mm. with how the, the pandemic's being handled, I guess. But there's definitely a transition there. But I think it was some of the catalysts beforehand that actually were a bigger deal. And I mean, again, just like light kind of high touch level, we're talking about more accessibility in terms of being able to do this in general, whether it's the software or the hardware that you're using to record uh, stuff that you're able to edit with more people were coming onto the scene in general. There was very major acquisitions going on, like people mm -hmm. like a, like you take a company like Spotify picking up places like Anchor FM and Gimlet Media. Gimlet Media just in general brought a lot of light to the entire thing with the startup the series. Network, yeah. yeah, yeah, all of that, and then even starting to look at some of the adaptations when you're taking when podcasts are going from an audio medium to taking it to all the way of like a Netflix series and things along those lines. And yeah. not to mention advertising dollars, like more and more advertisers, like just besides Casper and, and like MeUndies and these other ones started to realize like, holy moly, if you do these ads right and when they're like host read and these different aspects, like people are listening and care and actually acting. And so it was a, a lot of things. I think all of those things were happening before pandemic hit. And then mm -hmm. from there. I mean, what, we were really left with like two options. Again, if I'm going to speak about this simply, podcasting or webinars, like how in the world are we connecting with our audience now that we can't physically be there? And so you, all of a sudden you have like very limited options. And so that's some of the sort of the adventure of it, I guess I've seen. And then in sure. terms of your, your question regarding the clients, I think for ours, I think it's important to note, like I typically work more and more with businesses. I'm usually working with their marketing teams and it's businesses that are large enough to have a marketing team and they have the skill set to do a lot of the things, but they just don't understand the space and they see mm. the benefits of it and they're kind of watching all these other people do it and people be successful and they want a piece of it. And so that's how we end up helping. And sometimes like we still have some of our client base are like individuals, like kind of successful entrepreneurs or maybe authors or things like that. But that is starting to go down more. And so it is a different mindset, I think, from, say, somebody that's doing it themselves versus like a DIYer versus yeah. a, a corporation. And so those breakdowns are important. But at the same time, from the corporate side, it just seems more of it's easier to talk about than it used to be where I had to yes. do, I think, far more education in the beginning of like, mm. this is why you should care at all, where now it's I can put numbers out there and they're like, OK, awesome. Great. I'm going to take this down. And I'll get back to you. And it's, it's just a much more casual conversation than it used to be. If this is your first time listening to The One-Eyed Man and you're wondering what I'm trying to achieve here, why don't you take a moment to go back to the trailer episode at the beginning of Season 1. It's really short, I promise, and will give you some insight and context. If you're enjoying the show, please consider sharing this episode or The One-Eyed Man channel with, well, all of your friends in the entire world. And now, back to the show.
So without wanting to steal all of your valuable IP and experience, <laughs> I would love to spend some time talking about the types of conversations that are happening with those clients because I know that so many of the people that listen to this show find themselves in those corporate marketing teams, are fans of the medium, see opportunities, but perhaps are really struggling to figure out where to start and in what context to use the medium and are torn between do we create kind of a series of episodes or do we commit to doing this long term? And I'm sure these are the types of questions that pop up in almost every discussion that you have. Can you talk to me about some of the common denominators in the conversations that you're having with brands that are big enough, as you said, to have their own marketing teams? And is there any generic advice or, or sort of, I guess, a roadmap that you'd encourage people to sort of start on if they're thinking about this as a viable marketing strategy? 100%. I absolutely, we've seen really all of this for me comes down to goals. What I would consider a competition in the space, there's a couple ways we could tackle this, I guess. Mm. But if I was the corporation or if I was the person or persons desiring a podcast, it has to start with the goals, in my opinion. I would have other people argue against me. I've seen other companies state things like, okay, let's let's focus on making the best sounding podcast ever. Let's focus mm. on making your client's favorite podcast and all these different mm. things. And I think these notions definitely have merit and there's value to them. But for me, at the end of the day, if you're not moving towards whatever that goal is and evaluating against that goal, like what the heck is the point? If, if it's not a results driven thing, I mean, you could be doing it for fun and you could be doing it just to make an experience or whatever it is. But mm -hmm. most mm -hmm. of the corporations and businesses we're dealing with, there's an end game involved. There's some sure. sort of objective that this becomes the medium for a reason because of its strengths or whatever it is what have you. And so the the first piece of advice I would say is the goals. And then the second piece of advice would just be your target audience. And what does your target audience need? What are the pain points that they're facing? And you sort of couple that with what are the pain points you're facing? And then you figure out, can a podcast solve these things? Or you look at it in terms of mm. just like, what can the podcast do in order to better support our blah? Like whatever it is, our, our marketing, our business development, our onboarding, our sales process, our lead generation, like there's a million different things. Sometimes people will sort of cringe at that, especially when you get like more of the artist. But at the same time, again, with like the area we're working in, like art is an element of it, but it's not the most important piece of it. We have to be driving towards something, in my opinion. And that's, like I said, one of the strengths that we try to focus on. No, I think that's that's perfectly logical. I mean, I, I remember the very early days of having similar conversations with clients about using blogs as a, a communication channel. And often they would go, yeah, but look at Robert Scoble at, at Microsoft and the work he's done for that brand and, and how his, you know, to use your word, artistry has intersected with that brand's values. And, and the, my whole point to them was, yeah, but Robert was going to be blogging anyways. If you have that artist in your business or your, one of your execs is that kind of person, they're probably going to be doing it anyways. And that's great because then it's just a problem of figuring out alignment or channeling that force in the right direction to get the results you want. But it's, 
it's really tough if you're trying to create that initiative or that artistry or that creativity out of a framework that doesn't normally encourage it. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, anytime we were talking to clients about should we be on Instagram or should we have a Twitter account or should we be blogging, the question we would come back with is how will you know that it's working? And the question that was under that is what are you trying to achieve? What part of your business's objectives or goals does this contribute to even if it doesn't fulfill on them because you might say we want to hire the best talent in the market now not everybody's going to listen to a podcast and send through a cv there's maybe more complicated steps or more nuanced process that's behind that but in what way can this thing contribute towards that process is such an important question to answer because as you and i have discussed before you know when i was on your show a while back these tools are incredible because we can measure them if you can, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you use one of their greatest strengths to your advantage, right? Mm -hmm. So how much time do you spend working with clients on helping them define those goals? Because my experience of working with brands is that they would say they had marketing and, and brand objectives, but articulating those in a practical way often was really tough. Yeah. How do you overcome that challenge? We've continued to just refine ourselves as a business like hopefully a, a lot of businesses do just as time goes on you you try to improve and one of the things that we did at the beginning of the year to make this more streamlined was i looked at basically every podcast proposal we've ever written just for commonalities and similarities within some of those mm. goals because we'd always start the conversations off like basically if anyone was to contact me my first email to you is going to be what are your goals who's your target audience and what kind of help are you looking for um, those, those three main Callum things shaking his head passionately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to, to make sure that we're on the same page, that we're a good fit for each other, et cetera. And so we were able to ask that question a lot and I got a lot of different answers, but after yeah. spending some time analyzing it all, we broke it down into basically six different things. And I'm going to turn my head for a second and read on my, my second screen. <laughs> but those things come down to what we've defined as at least thought leader. And so this would be kind of authority or thought leadership. We're looking yeah. at the lead driver, which would be leads. And this is for either clients or sales. This also falls in line with awareness. We're mm -hmm. looking at networking. And so specifically, if you need to use it as a mode of relationships, this could be building new ones or supporting existing ones. Um, just mm -hmm. again, networking in general. This could be teacher. The teacher is the, the one we're looking at. And this is if you want to educate, and this could be prospects, clients, teams, or just kind of think of it as support in general. Yeah. There's the money maker or kind of the money magnet, whatever you want to call it. This is more of a monetization move when you're just looking for sponsorships. There's people out there that all they want to do is... It's a revenue is, stream. Yeah, 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 it just becomes revenue for them. And then the last one is, this one was a little harder to define, but we've classified it as the entertainer. And it's when you basically broadly spread a message that you're trying to influence lots of people. And this could be a cultural-based thing. This could be to raise awareness around an issue. Like, there's a lot of reasons we do it. Um, but this would be stereotypically the narrative podcast. And so kind of leading into that, based on those six goals, the way that we make shows and the way that the possibilities with shows, I mean, honestly, I think we're just barely scratching the surface at this point. Mm. When you think of a podcast, it's like this. People just think of two people sitting down and talking about stuff. There's a million styles and things of shows that we could come up with. And uh, like any other, again, going back to the creative side of this, we have a lot of flexibility with this medium to be able to do some pretty sure. exciting things. 
That being said, we've limited ourselves as a company to either creating interview-based shows, the narrative or story-driven shows, like kind of what you traditionally hear, like say Serial is probably the biggest one that Mm -hmm. we've ever had that tell more of the story, lots of different pieces going on, movement, uh, dynamics, music, all of that. Or in the middle, you kind of have a hybrid where it would be more engaging than just a one-on-one interview, but less intense than a narrative. And based Mm -hmm. on those goals, we're going to say this would be your best option based on what you're trying to accomplish. And so in those conversations, I just have to listen or my team who's engaging with these people have to listen. And there's usually some clients just know because they're very in tune to this type of a thing. And some clients start saying one thing and don't realize they have like another, another one that's more underlying or whatever it might be. And so, I mean, it is a process and it begins in the first conversation because I need to make sure that what we can do and what we're best at, we'll be able to provide for them. But really, I mean, it does take a little while. It takes a little refining and it requires that dedication and it requires to say no to a lot of other options. Mm -hmm. And I mean, very similar, like you said, I mean, I loved your point regarding to me, it's not any different. Like we, we started off as web dev and a bit of digital marketing. And I know your company was much more exclusive on the social side of things, but it's, Mm. it's just another medium that we can use for business development that we can use for marketing. Like I mentioned, and these questions just apply period across the board. It's not anything magical or special. It's, it's just an avenue to get somewhere. Um, and it has certain strengths over say some of these other mediums. I mean, again, and obviously I agree, but I think there is one difference. And I think this links to the point you were saying early on around the benefit of refining. And there's only so much you can plan for, I've found, and how much you can design up front. A lot of what happens or makes a podcast interesting. And it's no, again, this is no coincidence that the podcasts that dominate the conversations of most active listeners or the big commercial conversations are those that have been around for hundreds of episodes. There is a process that you go through, through that many iterations of this effort, where you start to learn what works really well and doesn't. The point I'm trying to make is that there's more room for experimentation here. And that's kind of exciting, I think, certainly. And I think the audience, the listener base is a little bit more forgiving of that experimentation and is willing to perhaps journey with you on some of that process. I know that that's probably more pertinent for the individual than it is for the company, but I think that there's space for companies to be honest with their listeners about that. And maybe that's an advantage of podcasting versus a billboard or a television ad is that you have the ability to be a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more transparent, a little bit more collaborative. You know, we're building this with you and would love your feedback and tell us what's working for you and isn't. I mean, it's a bit weird to put that on a billboard. (laughs) But I think that that is maybe the one thing that podcasting offers us as a channel that we don't really get from any of the other channels that we've alluded to before. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if compared to what I just said, you're selling it better than I am, even though I do it. Here to help, Jeff. No, no, no. No, it's good. Uh, (laughs) No, I think think you're right. It's unique. It has unfair advantages, for sure. I've, I've written about this in the past, and not really like super original thoughts or anything, but definitely have been spoke of before. There's a couple of things that are unique about it. It's a mobile medium. And so mm-hmm. say, for example, 
I'm going to pull from a couple different sources. Have you read the book Zero to One by Peter Thiel? I have. Okay. I'm a big fan. So, so you know yeah. the part where he talks about how we typically underestimate our market? Yeah. So so he has this argument in there. I forget the competition of scale or scale of competition. I forget the order in which it's said. But for context for the listener, uh, if you're, say, say, for example, you're a specialty bakery and you only focus on like gluten-free stuff, you might think that only the other specialty bakeries are your competition. But what Teal's going to make an argument of, it's anybody else that's selling food at like breakfast time is potentially your competition. And so it's just broader than you realize. And if we take those principles and we bring it over to marketing, you can one of the ways that you can break this up is that visual versus audio mediums. And so if you are writing a blog on again, maybe we're talking about engineering or whatever it might be, mechanical engineering. You're writing this blog. You might think only the other blogs on mechanical engineering are your competition. And mm -hmm. I'm going to argue opposite. I'm going to argue it's those. I'm going to argue that it's any blog. I'm going to argue that it's YouTube or going outside in the backyard to play with your kid or picking up the book or driving to work because these are all things that demand attention from your eyes. And all of a sudden... Yeah the competition that I'm against for your attention becomes extremely broad because there's a bazillion different things that I could do visually any given moment at any given day. Where on the flip side, you take something like podcasting, it becomes this integrated medium into your life because you can be listening while you're doing the dishes or working out or going for the walk or while you're cleaning the house. And all of a sudden, when you start to look at it on that plane, it's like, okay, what else is my competition? Other podcasts, yeah. audio, like music. I mean, that was audio was stupid. <laughs> music, radio. And then maybe I have friends of mine who are artists that put like movies on in the background just to hear it for the sake of the sound and they don't watch. And so you have a very... That's me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you have like a very limited set all of a sudden of, of what you're up against. And so it's like, okay... This is super interesting. Mm. I think that's my maybe my big one. Maybe my big one it, compared to to what you're talking about. I guess the maybe the secondary, and this is more off the cuff, of what you were saying with that intimacy factor. It's interesting because on one hand, I agree with you that the audience is more forgiving from, like you said, the creativity standpoint. But I would also argue they're less forgiving from a quality standpoint. Like if you were going to create a video and the video maybe was poorly lit or something like that, if your audio strong, mm -hmm. like it's a pretty common consensus that, okay, I, I can deal with this. Like I'll push through this. But if you pick up a podcast and it's terrible and somebody sounds like they're way back here or whatever, <laughs> like you're in a box or, or some nonsense like that, like unless they really, really love you or who you're talking to, the chances of them staying through it are going to be a lot more slim. And so that's like, I guess, it kind of, if not to move it, move the conversation prematurely, but one of the, the pitfalls. But there is so much, and, and it's just crazy. Like, it's just crazy to me that somebody right now is choosing to have the two of us in their earbuds and they get to listen to our voices all sultry right there. And like, it's just crazy. Like, people spend time. Like, I, I go back to the first podcast we ever produced, and it was on the business of board games. And this is how I got started with the whole thing. And it was just three of us who didn't know what we were talking about at the time, learning how to 
build board games. That's the only thing we talked about. And we interviewed designers and distribution chains and all these different people. And we became this definitive authority for a period of time in our space. And we're just hanging out in the basement, having fun, like having a drink, (laughs) talking to cool people every night. Like it's just still like to have that as the roots and then now to watch it evolve into what it has now. I don't know. The whole, the whole thing's just crazy me, man. No, I mean, that again, is another one of the strengths, right? Is that long tail component of it. And I, mean, I know you speak to your clients a lot about that, but I would rather have a hundred people that are really engaged with what I'm talking about and really interested in the topic, whatever topic it is that I'm uh, covering at any given point in time. Because let's just say I haven't really refined that part of my strategy yet. But um, yeah, I, I think I'd rather have a hundred engaged listeners than 10,000 hits, random hits to a website. You know, I, yeah. I just think that the, this allows you to do that. However, here's another one of the pitfalls. If we're going to, if we're going to start to move over to that side of the conversation a little bit is that it seems for a, for a medium that has been around now 15 years and has enjoyed differing levels of kind of adoption and disruption and maturity over that time, one of the things that I struggle with a little bit is the analytics component. It just mm. seems to me like there's not enough work that's been done to help hosts understand how their shows are being downloaded, by whom, where, and I suppose you'd know a little bit more about this, but this has been one of the sources of frustration to me. What you know, what do you what do you see happening in that space and what are you hoping will happen? Yeah, I also would agree I would agree to a it's not ideal. That's what I, I guess I'll agree with. The way that it works, and like, again, for somebody that's looking in from the outside, just to provide some context, you have to understand. I won't get too technical because it just gets boring when you get technical, but broadly speaking, it's an open medium. And so it doesn't function like if you're, say, a Google AdWords or a Google AdWords person or a Facebook AdWords person or whatever, whatever it is, Facebook ads, there's immediacy to what you're doing. You can like, if you dial up your ad right, you can you know you can put in a dollar and get back two. Um, you're mm-hmm. seeing a lot more details of the person in these profiles. You look at different like email clients and you're understanding, okay, click-through rates and where are people opening from and did they click that link and all this stuff. You don't really get that with podcasting. Like you essentially at a baseline level are just getting how many people listened. <laughs> like yeah. it's kind of at the rawest, rawest form. Just how many listeners do you have? And there's only so much information you can do with that. And so part of what we've done, like I was saying, part of our process, and, and this is this is honestly simply just informational, not to, to sell. We, we're looking at any show in four ways. We're looking at it from a planning, a production, a promotion, and a progress standpoint. And that progress one is is the analytics. And so at face value, depending on the media host that you're using, so the company or the platform that is actually hosting your audio files, they'll have different levels or different degrees in which they can give you information. Mm. Most of them will give you the downloads. Some can give you listen-through rates, completion rates. So if people, once they start, if they're listening all the way through, they're giving you the difference between sort of a generic download versus a unique download. And so that means like, I might be the same person downloading the episode more than once if it's from the same network or something like there's different parameters and I don't want to get too heavy on that side of it and some of those things. Once you start, that's kind of like tier one. You can look at geographical locations, some, some of those basics. Sort of the next tier out is what you tap into from the 
podcast distribution platforms. Now, I understand that you, you get this, but for the listener, again, these are different. The, the media host is where the audio file actually lives. And so if you mm-hmm. have like any sort of web background or anything, I mean, like the physical, like the not physical, but the digital files live somewhere on a host. Like my websites are all hosted on SiteGround. And in the same way, personally, we're using either Simplecast or Megaphone for the majority of our either our internal shows or our client shows. And mm-hmm. so that's where that audio file lives. Now, it gets distributed from all these different platforms like Spotify, Google, iTunes, or some of the major ones. Stitcher um, is another biggie. Like These will give you specific information because of the way that they're built and the type of information that they can collect. And so I can go to Spotify yeah. and look at like gender breakdowns. I can look at age ranges of the, the demographic and those kinds of things. I can go over to iTunes and look at subscriber rates and those kinds of things. And then from there, it's just a matter of usually your media host will tell you, like, this is the percentage of your audience that's listening via Apple. This is the percentage of your audience that's listening via Spotify. And then you kind of run those percentages. It's like, okay, look, if I know 50% of my audience is listening on on Apple and 90% of that is subscribed, then just do the math. Like you have a guaranteed this amount. The other thing that you can do, um, I think goes, well, actually, before I get out of that, the other piece is how you're interpreting that data and that information. And so like, say, for example, um, if you're going to get into something like ads, like most of the time, the universal standard for that is 30 days post when an episode airs. And so however many downloads you have within that first 30-day window, people that don't understand, they'll just be like, I have a bazillion downloads. Well, if you've been going since 2005, like, of course you have a bazillion downloads. But how, like, how popular, are, or if you are posting daily versus posting every other week, sure. like, you're going to have dramatic differences in the numbers. And so to even the playing field, you kind of have these common things like the post-30-day rule. You can get a sense. You don't always know for sure because it's not just definitive, but you can get a sense. Like if you start looking at things like, okay, how many listeners did I have or how many downloads did I had? Post 24 hours, post one day, post seven days, post 30 days. Like those are some of the key components we're usually looking at. And so that plays into it. And then I think the the final thing is what we don't always pay attention to. And it's these like tertiary or halo type elements of this like Mm. how is it when you send out an email regarding the new episode how many people are opening how does that open rate Mm. compare to the other things you're doing how many people clicked through to go listen to the episode if you have affiliate links in the episode itself are they using it how many people are are kicking over to that thing you told them to do not like say a review is not an end-all be-all but it's still like we have social proof from these things and and even you could stretch this if you wanted to to just say like how many new people were you able to interact with simply because you have a show because i mean if i if i got a hold of whoever like the, the likelihood if you and i didn't know each other of me just randomly being like hey mike can i talk to you for an hour you'd be like i'm a busy guy no <laughs> but the, if i'm like hey mike I got this show that I think you'd be a perfect guest. Let me explain why. And then you're like, oh, awesome, cool, I'll do that. And so all of a sudden you have like this accessibility to people that you wouldn't normally. And so sure. there's there's many ways, as you could see, of how you gauge this, but it's not easy. Like it's it's stupid, to be honest. Like it's all this information's everywhere. And we've just gotten used to it because 
we need to know it and want to know it for ourselves and for our clients. And so we've mm. figured it out, but it's absolutely like not, I I would love to have a dashboard or something that's just like boop, 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 boop. And it tells me everything like all in one spot. Um, but I haven't yet to come across that yet. Opportunity for the entrepreneurial and development-based listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, build me one and then find me. Build me one. <laughs> so Jeff, I mean, we've covered some of this, you know, kind of in a fragmented way, but for people that are listening to the show right now, I mean, obviously for listeners that are based in South Africa, they can reach out to the likes of Solid Gold and Callum and Gavin and the team. Guys that are based in North America or, or wherever else in the world, I guess, can reach out to people like you. But for somebody listening to this who wants to start making practical or taking practical steps towards launching a show, is there a framework, I guess, you know, start here, then do this, then do this, that you would offer them? And and. Maybe you've written something that they can go and check out, but what what advice would you give people who are listening to the show that want to start being serious about publishing a, a podcast? I think that's interesting. There's a ton of resources everywhere. And so one of the, the articles that I'm I'm in the midst, I'm in brainstorm mode of right now, I haven't started writing it yet, is just how to identify what kind of help you need, if anything. And mm. and something that I've found, and this would be this would be a fun conversation for after the fact, even with with the solid gold guys. Mm. But I found that people usually get you can get three types of help. Like there's you're just doing it yourself, mm. kind of doesn't count. So that would be the fourth. But in general, the type of help you can typically get the first would be more consultive again type help, coaching type help. This mm. might look like a one-on-one -on -one session with an individual. This could be a course. This could be a PDF breakdown or whatever it is, but you're getting some sort of coaching type help. The mm. second help... Instruction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The second is what I consider more of a technical solution. And there's plenty of agencies that simply you generally get most of the planning and pre-production and that type of a thing done. Hand off your audio to a technical solution. This could be an individual or an agency or whatever it is. They mm -hmm. edit it down, make it hit industry standards, et cetera, make it sound good, potentially write you show notes, that type of thing, get it posted and distributed for you. So you're not worried about really any of the post-production. It's just like, again, that technical solution. Or there's companies that are more framed like mine where we're literally going through the entire process with very mm -hmm. hand-holding. It's either looking at it from, say, uh, kind of the, it's a done with you or done for you solution rather. And so some of our clients, they're like, nope, we, we just want to be the talent. And that's the only thing. And then some of our clients are like, literally, here's the idea, please make it happen. And we, we scout talent mm -hmm. and, and all of that stuff. And so there's different levels of this. If that's like one, one piece, I think you need to understand in the beginning, like, do you need help? And if so, what kind, if we're going to push back to, to what you're originally saying, and you just think you're an individual going after this, some of the format really doesn't change. Like, what's your goal? What's the point? I mean, part of it, honestly, your goal just might be to try out the medium. And at that point, mm. that's, that's fine. Like, it's a perfectly fine goal. It's not like it has to be super businessy all the time. It might just be fun. Like I said, I started learning about board games. Like, that's how we got yeah. our, our whole thing. And so I think, unfortunately, I don't have a ton of resources off the top of my head, but there's like a million of them. Um, there's so many people talking about this. I think it's maybe a different way to answer would be um, get recommendations from people that you trust. 
because the part of the problem of this space blowing up and I and I just this happens all the time like people see opportunity and they go for it and mm-hmm. when you look at personality types just to shed a little light on what kind of person I am I found this thing it was like nightmare scenarios for personality types and mine is when people who don't know what they're talking about are leading a group of people and I like dude that's literally how I built a career <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think we all do to an extent, but you, like, hopefully you know what I mean. Like there's those people where you're like, oh, like that's what they're going to put on my tombstone. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, don't listen to that guy. He clearly doesn't know what he's talking about or that person. And so there's definitely, I, I just see like really, really bad advice sometimes. And it just makes me crazy where sure, like you get sure. somebody like one dumb example would be, say for example, People might make an argument of like, okay, you take a, a microphone type or something. We'll get technical for a second. Like you get a um, dynamic microphone versus a um, unidirectional. Yeah, or not. Not well. I mean, unidirectional are fun too. But I haven't made, have to made this argument in a, a while. Condenser. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. So oh, you, thanks, thanks, Kellen. Boom. Um, so we got the condenser mics versus the dynamics, and you get somebody that's gonna make an argument of like, oh, you definitely want to get the condenser mic in all situations, and it's like, no, you don't. Like if if you don't have a good atmosphere in which you're recording from your microphone's going to sound like trash because it's going to pick up everything around you from the floorboards Mm. creaking upstairs to the neighbor's dog barking and all this different stuff and so there's like because the space is popular there's a lot of people talking about it that i don't think have the experience to actually back Mm. it up and so again not saying that to discourage the people trying to figure it out or maybe trying to lead like like you mentioned for yourself but find the people that you trust that you know are working in this space like there's so much we can learn from even say videographers and how they're using audio so much we can learn from prior radio people and how they used audio for years like there's just tons of different like there's got to be somebody in your community that can speak on this with some authority and point you in the right direction or honestly just reach out to people like ourselves like ping you on twitter hit me up there's so many really solid good professionals that are just honestly open and and ready to help when it comes to those types of things so i mean really I, i guess probably the longest way for me to ever just say ask (laughs) like ask the people that you trust that's where we have arrived which is a a wonderful segue into me asking you to maybe share one or two details of where people can reach out to you and any resources perhaps that you might want to share that they could tap into that you do feel have the authority or have the credibility to really help guide them through the process but yeah how can people connect with you yeah easiest would be our company website it's just come alive creative. I don't write a ton, but the things that we do write are very extensive. Um, it's usually like a minimum kind of a 4,000, 5,000 type word post breaking down something. Our newsletter series has been really good and I've been very transparent in terms of how we approach any project. Um, no mm-hmm. obligation to go forward with it, even if you just signed up for that, listened to all of it and then left. Like I would not be offended in the least. The only other spot, it's very easy, is just my website, jefflarge.com. That will be getting revamped a little bit. There's uh, my own personal podcast on there. We have an episode with you, a bunch of other really just awesome, awesome people. And so, again, Come Alive Creative or jefflarge.com. Cool. 
Jeff, it's been amazing chatting to you. In fact, we should do a bit of a sideways posting. Maybe we should try and get that episode up on One-Eyed Man as well. It'll be fun because we covered a lot of really cool ground in there that links in, I guess, with this idea of how do we think about content strategy in a non-channel specific way. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe we can experiment with that. Yeah, no, I'd be down. But yeah, wishing you a, a good day because I believe I think it's just 10 a.m. there. And um, right. thanks so much for taking time out to chat to me today, bud. Yeah, thank you for having me. Chat to you soon. You've been listening to the One-Eyed Man podcast. I'm Mike Stopforth, an entrepreneur, writer, and public speaker, deeply curious about discovering better ways to lead and better ways to live in an increasingly complex world. I find the best source of these ideas is the experience and wisdom of interesting people who are taking unconventional approaches to solving the world's most compelling problems. If you'd like to hear from someone I haven't yet spoken to, visit MikeStopforth.com click on the podcast link, and send through your suggestions. A big thanks to the Solid Gold Podcast Studios in Johannesburg, South Africa, for making this production possible. And remember, in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man slash person is king. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.